Welcome to Knowledge on the Go, where we explore the leading practices that have emerged in Vizient's PI collaboratives. I'm Courtney Furrow White, Performance Improvement Director at Vizient and host for today's episode. In this podcast, we'll discuss the emerging practices identified in Vizient's Redesigning Ambulatory Care Collaborative. As more healthcare continues to shift into the ambulatory setting, improving access to care is a strategic priority and challenge for most health systems. Ambulatory care sites allow providers to more proactively manage chronic conditions, prevent serious illness, and improve overall population health. Mounting pressure exists to enhance the effectiveness and accessibility of ambulatory systems, including both primary care and specialty care. Joining me today is a participant of the Redesigning Ambulatory Care Collaborative, Elizabeth Thompson, Service Line Administrator of Surgical Specialties at IU Health Southern Indiana Physicians. She will share insights from their collaborative project. Elizabeth, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. So during the collaborative, each organization chose a performance improvement project to apply leading practices and successful strategies focused on redesigning ambulatory care. Elizabeth, can you please help share with us a high-level overview of your project? We found out that our regional amputation rate for diabetic patients with an infected wound in the lower extremity is at 1.1% of the diabetic population, whereas the national rate of amputation is at 0.35%. This is a significant difference and quite a large number when you look at the numbers of diabetic patients in our region as well as across the country. We were looking at protocols to deal with patients in crisis who present in the emergency room with a lower limb wound infection. As we were digging deeper into what are some specific things that we can do as a healthcare system to prevent these wounds from becoming a point of crisis where the patients present to the emergency room, we decided to look into specific prevention action item. And one of the easy ways to help prevent wounds from becoming infected or reacting to it quickly if they are infected is foot checks. And foot checks are something that we know is occurring. We don't know how consistently it is occurring. So we were hoping to search for data and develop a process to use related to whether or not patients are getting that check and how are we reminding them to come in to get that check and develop a process within primary care that is consistent and successful. So that was our project. So Elizabeth, with your project, did you run into any issues or surprises? Yes. When we pulled the data, which was looking at the diagnosis codes that identify patients with diabetes, we were able to pull 11,227 individual patients, but we could not find an associated data point that would show they had a foot check. We used a procedure code that is associated with foot check, but the problem is it's not associated with an office visit procedure, it's more related to other types of procedures. According to our coding folks, there isn't necessarily a specific code that is used just within an office visit to indicate that a foot check occurred. So that was a surprise to us that we had no validation of foot checks. Okay, so let's delve more into that not having the necessary data available. How did you come up with a solution to that problem? Initially, we reached out to the population health 
team that is a system-wide team dealing with all of the different regions within IU Health. And they drive what population health metrics the entire system is going to use. And those have to be documented in our electronic medical record. There are pathways within the electronic medical record that we use that would allow us to validate foot checks are occurring. However, setting that pathway up, it can take a great deal of time and we can't switch metrics midstream. For instance, we're choosing population health metrics right about this time of the year for the following year. When I went to them, this was later in the year, around September, I believe, and it was too late to set that metric up as a population health metric we're tracking. So then we decided, is there some other way that we could identify a foot check has occurred within an office visit with a diabetic patient? And I was discussing that with a physician who's a podiatrist who's very interested in diabetic foot care. And he just casually mentioned, I wonder if there's a way to do a pseudocode. The light bulb went off for me because I've used pseudocodes in the past for other kinds of things we need to document as happening, but not necessarily that we're going to charge or bill for. And so I reached out to the IS team to see if they could connect and make that happen within our electronic medical record. And I also reached out to our coding team. And those two teams are working together as we speak to set up a pseudocode that could be used by providers who, when they do a foot check, could quickly indicate that procedure code as they've done that foot check. Well, that's a great solution. And I know that other organizations have ran into similar problems, you know, wanting to make a change to the EMR. However, IT requests for changes can be out a year or more. And I think it's really important to stress that you were able to identify a short-term solution that allowed you to pivot and quickly make a change to get you the data that you needed. So tell me, Elizabeth, how much time did this take and was there any additional resources? The process for changing the population health metric documentation, as I described, is a significant amount of time. But this solution with the pseudocode process doesn't take very long, maybe a few weeks. While I am waiting for the confirmation that they can create this pseudocode for us, it may have to go through a governance committee, which might take a few weeks. But because it isn't associated with any kind of billing that, you know, typically anything that's changed related to billing and submitting claims is a much longer process. This one is really simply to create a data point. That won't take too long, I do not believe. So tell me, Elizabeth, when you took this solution to the leaders and the providers, how did they receive it? They actually thought that was a great idea. They're very supportive, of course, to try to move forward with a population health metric that could contribute to our overall quality scores. However, the pseudocode would give our region a little bit of a leg up from the rest of the healthcare system in that we would be developing a process that would give us baseline data and get providers used to indicating in a more formal manner outside of the note in the chart that they have performed a foot check. And, you know, in future state, that's going to be a good habit to have. And it'll also allow us to see where we're meeting that metric. Are those diabetic patients receiving foot checks in a timely manner? And then 
how often are we reminding patients that don't get the foot check? So a lot of the providers and our leaders are very excited about the possibilities that we could really be ahead of the crowd, so to speak, for the South Central region using pseudocodes. So have you had any lessons learned thus far? Yes, data is critical. That's the part that if you do not have the right data, you can't measure how comprehensive the care you're giving is. And you can't communicate with the right patients at the right time to remind them if they haven't received the care they need because you don't know whether they have or not. Not without doing a deep dive into individual chart documentation, which would be hours and hours of time and very inefficient. It's also critical to have buy-in from leadership to perform the project. They need to support the overall goals of the project. And I was very fortunate to have a leader who sponsored this project and was on board with all of the steps along the way. That's so great to hear, especially having that buy-in from leadership. So how was the collaborative able to help you? Participating in the updates and regular discussions that the participants join in on is very helpful. You get to hear what other people are working on, similar situations, how they solve their problems, points of view that perhaps we hadn't thought of before. There's certainly a way to network with others and connect offline from a collaborative about how they solve their problems or to share ideas. The other thing I believe is very important to participate in is the survey that's part of every project. And that survey provides data that you can react to that supports some of the infrastructure you have within your organization or supports making suggestions and changes that would be helpful in providing better care for patients in a much more efficient way. Wonderful. Finally, any parting thoughts and advice that you would like to share with our listeners? You will find that your assumptions are not always correct. And when that happens, you've already identified your project. For instance, in our case, we had put together our charter and said, here's what we're going to do. And then we found, well, we don't have the data to even validate that. So we had to be adaptable. And I think it's important to be flexible and innovative and think of a different way to use the fact that you may not have all the information you need, but it could turn into something even better. That was a real key learning piece for us. And also just being able to validate any data that you have. You have to make sure that it's accurately pulling from your system and that it's the right data. So I know that I'm going to look forward to hearing more about this journey down the road as you make progress on your project. That's all the time we have for this edition of Knowledge on the Go. I'd like to thank Elizabeth Thompson for sharing her story. We did receive an update from Elizabeth that they had to put their pseudocodes on hold as they're changing revenue management systems and cannot make any changes at this time. However, they're still moving forward with their request to the population health team. We want to thank you, our listeners, for taking the time to join us, and please look for future Knowledge on the Go podcast. For Vizient's PI Collaborative team, I'm Courtney Fro White. Please join us for more Knowledge on the Go. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments at picollaboratives at visionink.com. <laughs>